Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm hilariously out-podcasted. Wait, what? <laughs> Today we're talking about Minute 69, which begins with Bruce wondering about Natasha's manipulations and ends with Steve wondering about Tony's weapons. Back on the show, we have Kyle Olson from Seasons 2 and 3. Hello, Kyle. Ugh, that guy again? <laughs> from Seasons <laughs> 2 and 3. That guy. <laughs> That's an auspicious credit, Olson. Really? <laughs> As if that didn't constitute like 300 hours of that. Let's see how, how easily we can minimize your contributions. <laughs> yeah, close personal friend of Agent Coulson. That's, that's right. I want to be introduced. That to was that was peak peak Marvel movie minute. Absolutely. Okay, so we're in this conflict now, and now instead of focusing on uh, Bruce, Steve, and Tony angry at Nick, now we have Bruce angry with Natasha, and this whole idea about how he's not going to leave because uh, just because she's a little twitchy, and they're trying to figure out. And now this is where uh, we throw out a line here that I'm curious from the two of you. We throw out the line, uh, using the Tesseract to build weapons of mass destruction. Ah, WMDs, very political. Does this term feel like it's carrying a lot of just modern political weight into the film? Is it carrying too much? Uh, is it just right? How does that, How does it end up playing for the two of you? Well, it's not the first time. They used it in uh, Iron Man 2 as well. So I think that was that was part of it. But I, also, if I if I'm remembering right, I believe that was also the name of one of the arcs of the Ultimates, Weapons of Mass Destruction. So I mean, okay. it is it does have like connections to the comic too. Even though I think that's not why it's used here. I think it's specifically used for that specific thing to, yeah. to get people to like that that trigger that little part of their brain. Right. The yeah, ire. it's shorthand. It's really convenient, convenient shorthand. I just there's there's an element of it, especially coming out of Mark Ruffalo's mouth, who who is, you know, he he certainly has uh, some political uh, views that he's expressed uh, from time to time out there. And when it comes out of his mouth, it feels like there is a little bit of judgment uh, toward governments that use weapons of mass destruction when he ends up saying it. I don't know if that's the that's anywhere why. Like, I don't know if he asked the the writer director, "Hey, can I call it this?" Like, I I don't know, but it just coming from him, I'm like, okay, it, it fits that he's very upset about WMDs here. That's interesting. But that's also where we get the reason for all this, and this is where kind of Fury kind of gives up as far as the battle that he's been having with Tony and Bruce and Steve, and this is where he reveals really why and he points at thor and says because of him and it's all about this protection of aliens why now i don't know why this wasn't something that was concerning him in 1995 when captain marvel arrived and he saw all of these uh, shape-shifting uh, people running about um, but apparently now is the point uh, because of thor and his brother and the destroyer destroying uh, the the town in uh, that film a year ago, that's what really kind of brought all this up. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really good point, because it's not as if he hasn't already seen that they're hilariously outgunned mm -hmm. with his own eyes. Like, right, right. he knows that things are bad. So why the accusatory point uh -huh. <laughs> at Thor, uh, which I, I should say just at, like as an aside, is as great a use of blocking as it is an accusatory point at Thor, 
right? It's just <laughs> a neat excuse to swing the camera. <laughs> and and also, like, the cameraman going, ooh! And, like, yeah. the, the very Jerry yeah. Springer, like, swing the camera <laughs> over. <laughs> to, like, you know, it felt to me like the last five minutes of Clue, but I think you're exactly right. It's that just using, like, using this blocking and the dialogue as ping-pong to move the camera, and I think this scene is just pitch perfect for that. Yeah, and, and, and it's another lie. It's another yeah. lie. Where yeah. you, like, it's like, you've known about Alien. We know <laughs> you've known about it for a long time. And it wasn't that. And also, you've had these weapons since the 40s. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. You didn't just start. So it's another lie. It, well, to, to be fair, though, we know that the Tesseract was kind of like, you know, locked up in a crate for quite a long time. And it seemed, I don't know, the way that it seems at the end of Thor... They only just realized, oh, you know, we have that thing. Maybe we should take that out and start looking at it again. And that's kind of like the point when they really start digging into the the options that they may have with that tool again. But it's interesting. Then they swing over to Thor. You know, basically, like it's because of you. And then he says, you know, that like oh, it's 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 it was you you messed with it, and that was a signal that you're ready for a higher form war. And he's wrong. He is wrong. That is not what happened at all. I guess that's what Thor thinks. But we saw at the end of the last one, like the the post credit scene in First Avenger is Loki in Eric, controlling Eric Selvig, getting the like he already knew. He already like he was already there. Loki was already ready for this. It had nothing to do with the, oh they were doing it. That's why that they came down. Nope. So, I mean, obviously, Thor's not lying. He's just misinformed. Right. You missed the whole scene that was never filmed where they retconned that entire thing. I get sure. it. It's okay. Sure. Yeah. No, that doesn't exist. <laughs> One of many, many Marvel post credit scenes that go nowhere and do nothing. <laughs> well, it's... Yeah. I, and I can't tell you, we've talked about that a lot on this show, about my frustration, along with some of our guests, about the idea that uh, when the film started, it's like, oh, why... I thought Eric already was under his control. Why Why does he need to control him again? It's very confusing Yep, coming into the start of this we've, film. I think we've landed on the fact that the, clearly Loki's mind control fades with time. Yes, I think that's, that's, that's how that's we've had to of, rationalize exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> it's the only thing we could come up with. <laughs> if you want to get into Loki's powers, man, we could be here all day. Because even just watching from movie to movie, from show to show, from episode to episode, it's like, wait, what was that? How can he do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a scene in Loki where he like stops time or something. Like a column is falling yeah. and so he's like, exactly. what? what was that? Like that's that's never been in his power set. What happened? <laughs> I also I think that it's funny, there is this moment since we're talking about these 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 conversation points that are are wrong or that they're bringing up or not bringing up. There is this point where when Fury blames all of the stuff on Thor and uh, he says last year Earth had a visitor from another planet who had a grudge match that leveled a small town. And, and you know, this is that whole thing. He's pointing at Thor. And that was the battle between Thor and the Destroyer, which was under control of Loki. And then he said, we learned that not only are we not alone, we're hopelessly hilariously outgunned. And then the, and then Thor says, my people want nothing but peace with your planet. And Fury what he should say is like, yeah, but your brother is back, so you're lying, and and you're here, and you and your brother are both going to be fighting again. And it's like, there, again, 
it's like the same thing that happened last time. And I think it's funny that it's the same two people who are threatening Earth again. But he doesn't bring that up at all. He's just like, you know, there's a lot of other people other than you out there that we have to be wary of. But um, Like scrolls. Yeah. It's, just I, as a for instance. Just as, hey, you know, they might be there too. Which, you know, at this point, Fury supposedly has been working with for the last 30 years. But we can't talk about that because we are ill-equipped to say those words. We can't talk about that because it technically hasn't happened yet or, or won't will have happened yet. Right. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it makes it complicated as they end up changing things and, and retconning things to, you know, put things, uh, you know, they tell these stories in the past that end up not really lining up. But it is what it is. This is where we are. Yeah, I do. I do like the turn of phrase of a higher form of war. Okay, but that comes along with this idea that the work with the Tesseract is what drew Loki to it and his allies and all of the realms. How does ever is this does when you start working the, with the Tesseract, does it send a signal out to everybody saying, beep, beep, hey, this place is ready now? Like, how is it? I wouldn't think so, because it's we know it's an Infinity Stone. Yeah. So so yeah. if if obviously if it was like an Infinity Stone sending out a signal, you know, who'd come a running? Exactly. Well, who and he clearly already knows it's here. So don't get me started on the fact that he sends Loki here to get this. That's thing. problematic, right? Yeah, that's uh, uh, yes. Write <laughs> fan fiction about why that is. <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> I yeah, it it is problematic. But I also think we should just acknowledge that a higher form of war coming from a guy who fights with a hammer and magic. Like I'm, I'm not sure he understands what a higher form of war is. So oh, that's true. <laughs> Well, at the very least, you know, he knows that there are people on other planets. And uh, so to that end, I, I guess maybe that's what he's meaning. I don't know. It's a strange thing to say. Say, And and I like Steve's reaction. A higher form. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Steve's been fighting baby war. You know, <laughs> really little baby war. Guns and pew pew goo. <laughs> If there's anybody on Earth who's who's been fighting something a little more than it probably is Steve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. He has been fighting right. the blue pew pew. The pew battles. pew goo, yeah. That's right. Exactly. Right. I do think it's funny because then Tony also brings up nuclear deterrence. And that just, as soon as he says that, my brain, especially with this conversation, just goes to Dr. Seuss's The Butter Battle book, which is kind of all about all of this sort of stuff. And it just bigger, I, you know, bigger weapons here and bigger weapons there. And it's just like, Butter yeah. side up. Yep. That's <laughs> so funny. Um, can I take us back to the very beginning of this minute for a br- for a brief aside? Sure, sure. And you've been doing what exactly, Natasha? You didn't come here because I bat my eyelashes at you, Banner. Yes, and I'm not leaving because suddenly you got a, a you get a little twitchy. But don't we think that Banner did come because she bat her eyelashes <laughs> at him? <laughs> oh, there's there's more of that retcon that I don't like. <laughs> I mean, this this is why I want to bring this up, because if there's anything that leads us down this path of their future weirdo uh, ignited and abandoned relationship, it starts right here. Right. At, it starts in this movie, in the scene when she's uh, dressed as a village girl and right here when <laughs> she admits she was batting eyelashes at him mm-hmm. because subversively. That's what happened, right? I mean, that's there's part of it that happened that way. I don't know. I mean, like it's obviously I don't think that's the way that Ruffalo was playing it. Yeah, and I don't think that's the way that she was playing it either. Like it, somebody it's... thought that's the way they were playing it. Right. I mean, she was because like uh 
I mean, uh, what we see in, in Winter Soldier, there's that line, oh, she flirts with everyone or something. Like well, that. I, that's, <laughs> that's right, probably that's right. Tig Nataro who decided, you know what, you're going to say this because, you know, everybody thinks just because you're beautiful and you're in the room that you're just flirting with them. Well, and that's the problem I have with it. Yeah, because I, th- I thought part of it was that she uh, she's attracted to him because he's not immediately like uh, responding to any of the, the stuff she's putting out. Like, I really, I mean, I believe that you didn't come, uh, when she says you didn't come to bat my eyelashes, I think she legitimately believes that. And I think in this, at this moment, that's true. Like, I think Bruce joined up because he actually wanted to help more people and thought it was in a safe environment. I'm just, uh, my only argument here is, is this the seed that gets planted that leads them to use these two in a relationship later? Oh, I no, I think it was still that the stupid cradle. Mm. We'd always get what we want and pushes the cradle or whatever. Oh, you think that was the oh, scene? He wanted children. You know who has children? Women. Who's the only woman on this team? Natasha. That's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. I had totally forgotten that. Well, yeah. it's it's interesting that yeah, there are these little moments between the two of them. It's just I don't know, it's a strange thing and I I don't really I don't care for it much either. And, and I do, I don't know. I just don't like the way that that line that she says that line, it ends up feeling diminutive of her as a character uh, in a way, because it's, I I don't know. It's just like, I'm not exactly sure why, why they're reacting this way with each other here. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is we know that there's manipulation going on. Well, yeah, I, I I guess it just like when she says you didn't come here because I bat my eyelashes at you. It's like if there had been batting of eyelashes, it would have like maybe it would have made more sense. Like it, it's like when she says that as a reply, when she came there to Kolkata and said, hey, Fury wants you to be part of this team. He wants you to come help and find gamma radiation and we need your help. Well, I think I think she's referring to the fact that uh, when he said I can't remember what his line is too. Um, she, she says, well, I can persuade you, you know, and that's very clearly a, a seduction line. Yes. And that, and he responds, to, like, I, I can't remember, you guys have seen it probably more recently than I have, but, um, he responds to her. That's when he does his, his anger turn, basically stop lying or whatever. And he like, he what, says, what if I say no? She says, I'll persuade you. And he says, and what if the other guy says no? And she yeah. said, you've been more than a year without an incident. I don't think you want to take to break that streak. Well, I don't every time get what I want. Yeah. Right. So I think that was it. Like, that was her. She tried the seduction thing and it didn't work. I don't know if she tried it. I just think that she was telling him, I will try it if you say no. Like, if we go down this path, I will do what I can to. Oh, I don't know. I think the words, I'll try it, are part of the seduction. And the way should she, yeah, the way she delivered it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. It's just, I, I yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess I, mean, I could buy we, into it. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement that this takes us down a bad path. Yeah, that is the that's the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is once again just a a horrible misuse of a fantastic a potentially fantastic character. Yes. And that's that's the problem. Very true. Very true. Uh, yeah, so that but now we get oh, now we get them uh, spinning it back around uh, onto Tony. So then Tony got back to his um uh, weapons thing and then uh, and then Nick has the ultimate slam down <laughs> and how did you make your money stark yes oh come on like ooh, all right which is a, a good slam and that's the extent of what the slam is because stark did make his money but stark 
is going down the redemption path now, right? I mean, that's his whole angle is to go for a warm light for all the world, right? Like he's he is going to be the only game in, uh, you know, in clean energy. We saw the movie where he was redeemed. So slamming him for how did you make your money is it's kind of a cheap blow, but appropriate for, you know, where we are. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely. But it also it stings. Yeah. It stings. Like you can see it gets him. It stings. It's also like you can tell that Fury is kind of reaching at this point. He's starting to get desperate because this is this person who wanted to bring these people together legitimately to create this team that could potentially help again without really telling telling all of them why. But he did want to, you know, again, same thing, probably to fight off people like Thor, to have a team at the ready who could potentially stand against these sorts of threats, which we do see them do eventually. But still, this is a point where he's losing grasp of what he has created. And there's a sense of panic in the way that he's throwing things out here and when he says that to to tony i mean it's like a man grasping at straws just saying anything because he's just hoping something will make things work again yeah you know i i think that's i I think that's a good read on it for me too that and it makes me wonder just in terms of arm chairing how do you write the end of this scene if we don't get the attack right right we don't actually ever get to see who loses their most cool in this sequence, because they all sort of amplify evenly. But my hunch is, you know, maybe Fury. Yeah, true. It would be a really interesting um, thing to kind of see play out. You know, we've talked about this a number of times with with some scenes as to like, you know, how would the situation in Stuttgart have played out had Captain America not arrived and and had Loki struck down that old man? Like, you know, what what would have happened? I know. If there was only there was a series, we could find out what if those events took place <laughs> in a different way. I have a feeling the people behind the what if series have much less interest in the things I'm curious about and much more interest in things I absolutely don't care about. Yeah, I know. Believe me, like Rob and I have had this conversation too. There are so many things that I'd be like, well, what about you, you never talked about? Where did the. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, yeah, well. This particular scene is getting to this point where let's I think we should wrap up today because we're going to have a lot more to kind of continue with all this tomorrow. And uh, as this as this fight continues, tension grows and uh, people are ready to throw down. So any last thoughts from either of you, though, about this minute? No, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see like as Nick uh, immediately, uh, you know, puts the spotlight on. Uh, on Tony to try and get some heat off of himself. Someone else is about to pick that, up that that gauntlet. Yes, indeed, indeed. But it worked. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about that tomorrow, minute seventy. Uh, but for now, um, uh, Kyle, tell everybody about uh, what you're up to and where they can tune into some of the other stuff you're doing out there. Sure, uh, I have an audio drama podcast called The Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society. Uh, it is a ra- old timey radio show style. Um, about um, a, a married couple and their best friend uh, in 1900s France fighting supervillains. You know, that old chestnut. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing new under the sun, right? 
Uh, we've been on a couple seasons now. We're actually now doing some experimenting with live episodes. So uh, we're going to actually have a put it in front of an audience, which has been super fun. Uh, so there's multiple seasons out there. So you have plenty of stuff to catch up on. So check it out if you're in the fan of audio dramas or check it out and become one. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, we will have the links in the show notes so you can check that out, everybody. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 70. So, Pete, thanks as always. <gasps> tomorrow, Andy, will I be your champion? <laughs> Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>